and welcome to the Open Paddock Rallycast. This is episode 74 for Wednesday, February 19th, 2020. And in this show, we chat with Dan Downey of Downey Dirty Racing, who's also an instructor at Team O'Neill Rally School. Some of you may remember Dan from the pictures of his BMW E30 that flew through the New England Forest Rally's Concord Pond stage with a Domino's Pizza delivery sign strapped to the top. We'll chat about that, his experiences as an instructor, and whatever ever other gibberish and nonsense we usually come up with. So grab a beer or other adult beverage or non-alcoholic, that's fine as well. This is the virtual rally pub we call the Rallycast. I'm your host, Mike Shaw, and with me, as usual, is my co-host, Ian Holmes, who is gloating right now. (laughs) Yes, I did happen to correctly predict that Elvin Evans would win Rally Sweden. And nobody was more surprised. I do kind of remember if you listen to the last podcast that I gave a strong suggestion that he had a chance. Mm -hmm. You did. Just trying to, t- just trying to steal my glory, aren't you? A <laughs> <laughs> little bit, a little bit. Nope, but anyway, we are really pleased for Elvin. That's uh, victory number number two. So uh, maybe and we can get that. I handily mean, granted yeah. on a shortened rally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, uh, you know, and, that, and people are even talking that he could possibly be the he's a possible contender for the for the world title for the WRC title this year but uh not so sure about that at the moment but it's a great start to the season for him it sure is and uh yeah he, he just great great performance and if he felt just so comfortable in that car it was obvious and uh yeah it, it was pretty good to see and uh yeah he wasn't shaken by those that were behind him and managed it from the front and I mean, what else can you say right it was he did the right things but we'll see what happens when he gets uh, to the other events that's for sure all right. Well, without any further ado, let's uh, bring on our special guest, Dan Downey, shall we? That sounds like a good good idea to me. All right. And we'll be back in just a moment. Well, as I said, when we came back, we would have Dan Downey of Downey Dirty Racing with us. Dan, how you doing this evening, man? Good. How are you, Mike? I'm doing very well. Well, actually, I can be doing even better now because the official sound of the opening of the rally cast is that oh, right there. Oh. That sounded good. <laughs> yeah, well, um, of course, you... we have to ca- talk about what, what we're having for this evening, right? So uh, last awesome. time we talked about uh, our porters, you know, our nice dark beers and mm-hmm. stouts and stuff. This is a uh, Five Pine Chocolate Porter, Three Creeks Brewing out of Sisters, mm-hmm. Oregon. So thanks to my mom, she got me this one. So, yes, looks quite good. What about you guys? Well, I I I got all that. You know, last week I was drinking. Last time I was drinking that Breckenridge port vanilla porter. Mm-hmm. Well, I got I got a six pack in for the uh, Super Bowl, and uh, nobody else wanted to drink it. So I'm still going through this six pack of uh, the Breckenridge vanilla porter, which is good because I like it. That's that's important. Find what you like and drink it well. Mm-hmm. There we go. All right, Dan, you're up. Uh, well, I got a semi-local one. Um, I got. Moat Mountain, uh, which is just in Conway, New Hampshire, in the same kind of region as where I'm at. Uh, Bone Shaker Brown. Ooh, Bone Shaker Brown sounds good. Bone yeah. Shaker. Ooh. Yeah, I'd I'd normally be drinking, um, obviously the the sponsored Reckless Brewing Company, but uh, I seem to have run out of that. So. Oh, well. oh. 
Gankage on the sponsor. Yeah, you're gonna have to redo that sponsorship there, man. <laughs> uh, they they run they sell too much beer over there. They don't have any more left for me. Oh, All right, wow. that's that's a fair argument. Fair argument. Yeah. Well, we we always start with uh, the the first question when we bring on a new guest is, how the heck did you get bit by the rally bug, Dan? How did you find out about the sport and get sucked into it? Uh, well, I think a lot of people that are you know, I guess you could say as my vintage, uh, started playing video games when we were, you know, eight, nine, that kind of thing. And on Gran Turismo, there was this weird kind of section about rally racing. Mm -hmm. I found that much more enjoyable than being very precise on the racetracks. So I kind of learned about it then and always was interested and watching videos and stuff. But, uh, it was my freshman year at college on in 2010 that I went and spectated New England Forest Rally for the first time. And I'm a local to New England, uh, you know, my whole life. So that was the first time I went out to one. And seeing back then, 2010, all the guys go by, Ken Block still in a Subaru and Travis and all that, and seeing them go by the first time, I mean, I I think that's when everybody gets kind of hooked, when those first few fast cars go by. So then you made the decision to what? Did you did you end up uh, volunteering after that, or did you decide right then and there I need to build a rally car? Well, yeah, I mean, as anybody does, you start looking at how do I build a rally car, and you have no idea how to because you don't even know anything about the sport at that point. But I spectated a few years, and then I, uh, um, you know, volunteered a few years, and then you know, uh, once I was out of college in 2013. Uh, I actually had a little bit of cash flow to, you know, buy a car and start actually, you know, trying to do events and things like that. You know, at first, I think a lot of people are, you know, they see the the fast cars go by, especially those are the ones that draw their attention, and they don't realize that there's a lot of people kind of further down the pack that are mm-hmm. doing it for budgets that they have, right? Mm-hmm. And so once I started getting into the rallycross scene here in New England and everything. Um, things just kind of snowballed all the way into kind of a lifestyle, right? Rallying is definitely a lifestyle. Um, yeah, for, for uh, sure. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's everything you can to get out on those stages, right? It's the late nights, it's the greasy fingers and, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for sure. And once, and once you're in there, you, you can't get out. Once you're in the lifestyle, that's it. Right, absolutely. Yeah, back then I, you know, I, I picked out a uh, in 2013. There, I picked out a, you know, 1987 BMW E30 325, um, <clears throat> and with the intention of someday rallying. And I never thought I'd actually, you know, make it that far to actually do a rally per se. But you know, rally crossing so easy to get into. You just kind of show up, and they let you do it, right? So, yeah, mm-hmm. and you meet all sorts of people through the rally crossing, and people that you know teach you things and teach you how to do it better, and um, you know actually give you this notion that hey, you can do this if you do it right and you're smart about it, and you learn quickly. Mm-hmm. So, so, what what is it about the BMW then? So because uh, I mean, it's not exactly the um, the greatest uh, rally. It's not the most successful rally vehicle in history let's say so i mean i mean i'm noticing that there's a a lot more of them about maybe i'm moving in different circles now but what's the attraction of the bmw yeah i think you know rallyists of 
you know, not past, but, you know, a little couple of, a few years ago, you know, definitely into the Volvos and, and things like that for, uh, especially the rear wheel drive, two wheel drive cars. But for me, when I was looking, I didn't know anything about Volvos or, or much about cars, honestly. Uh, you know, I liked all sorts of cars. I didn't know about rally mechanics or what worked and what didn't. But back when I was looking for a car in 2013, uh, you know, back in the Rally America days there, the rules dictated that you needed to have a two-wheel drive vehicle, two and a half liter or under. And so I looked up cars that were like that, right? Mm-hmm. And coming from lots of, you know, American and hand-me-down mom and dad cars that were front-wheel drive, I thought front-wheel drive was very lame. So I needed a real-wheel drive car. And it kind of boiled down to, you know, maybe some Volvo, maybe some Porsche 944, and then a two and a half liter BMW E30. And so I was not a BMW person. I was not, you know, I thought they looked really cool and that kind of thing, but I didn't know much about them. And they sound great just, too. I, I know that much, you know. <laughs> they sounded good. And, you know, in my endless internet um, days of research, that kind of fit the bill for the rules of the time. So that's what I went for. You know, nowadays you can kind of run whatever you want as long as you run per your, you know, novice restrictions. But back then I was looking at something I could actually get started with. So what was your first rally? Uh, so 2014, I started rally crossing, right. And just kind of learned the ways of driving a bit and, you know, building my car up and then, it led us to uh, 2016, um, doing a couple of rally sprints. Uh, once I had the ca- car caged up and everything, and had all my safety gear and that kind of stuff. Into 2016, I, you know, the one I saw first, the home rally. It's right nearby. It's the one I had to do. Right, it's the whole point of this whole thing. Of course, mm-hmm. I went to do and do New England Forest Rally for the first time. <clears throat> And tell us about that experience, because the first rally is always a pretty big deal. Well, it's a pretty big deal for everybody. You know, you know, doing it the first time is always such a shock on what it actually takes and, you know, all these things you think you planned for and none of the things that you actually planned for are the things you had to actually worry about. And it's always, you always tell everybody to go out to your first rally, not expecting to win, maybe not even expecting to finish. You got to learn how to do it is the first thing. So... But for mine, it was a little bit more extreme uh, in that regard. And, and this was a pretty um, popular story along the rally world back in the uh, when that happened, is that on the way there to my first rally, uh, the truck I had borrowed to... That's right. <laughs> to uh, drive it up there, right, trailer it up there from Massachusetts to... Uh, northern Maine there, four hours away, in 95-degree heat, actually caught fire uh, in northern New Hampshire. And when I say catch fire, I don't mean like, ah, <laughs> no, kind no, of no, no. a little bit. No, uh, <laughs> there's a pictures. Raging, a raging hulk of nothingness was left after the inferno that was uh, a full gas tank of, of gasoline in a, in a Dodge Ram. Boy, that cooked pretty good, too. So there you are. You're, you're, you've got... A trailer with a, a hot car, but not uh, the your car is still there, but the tow truck or whatever your your primary truck to get there is just gone. Is is like your your racing suit and everything else all just gone, or did you get everything out? 
so yeah that was that was uh you know kind of my claim to fame at least to begin with on the you know rallying it's like hey it's my first rally guess what we're still making it there despite this and the stuff that i lost in the the truck was nearly everything um the only stuff that was still in the car were two spare tires fire suit and hans device uh, my co-driver, my friend Kevin, had his safety stuff in my Subaru that I was driving. That he was going to drive up for, you know, recce. So he had a good amount of his clothes and and safety stuff like that. But we had all our spare parts, all our tools, um, you know, my laptop, all my clothes, all this stuff. Oh my gosh! My helmet, you know, and my girlfriend at the times, all her stuff in the truck and the only thing i got out of the truck was half of my toolbox wow so i mean like (sighs) when that thing started i mean where is it like how did you notice obviously it went quick if you didn't get anything out of it so the first the first thing i noticed was that the truck stopped going it kind of shut off uh kevin ripped up next to me in the in the wrx and you know was screaming out the window fire and I kind of just like gave him a thumbs up, like, uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can uh, see that. So yeah. We eventually got it stopped because, you know, no, the brakes aren't working anymore because the truck's off and that kind of thing. Getting out, there's a six foot flame coming between the cab and the bed. Um, I run, we get as many fire extinguishers out of the car and whatever we can find, but I'm never going to put this thing out. It's so hot, it's mm-hmm. full of gas. And the first thing we thought was to get the car off the trailer, obviously. I'm unstrapping one. There's people stopping. They're unstrapping others. And, like, as quick as possible, I'm backing up as they're unstrapping them and driving reverse off the trailer as fast as I can. I run back to the truck, get one toolbox out of the bed of the truck, put it on the ground, turn around, and there's nothing I can reach into (laughs) that isn't on fire. So that was the end of it. Jeez. So you know, what happened from there then? <laughs> How do you get to the rally or, or do you continue? Well, I mean, it's my first rally and I was going to do it. And I think for a lot of people, when things happen like that, you either kind of fight or flight, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, at that point, it was none of that was registering in my head at all. I knew it was extreme, but you got a car, it still drives and, you know, the the thing that I think really set me was, uh, you know, the police showed up, the state troopers showed up, and I asked them, what what should I do next? And they said, uh, do we have all your info? And I said, yeah. And he's like, well, you can go. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, all right, well, I'll go. Nice. And we drove the last hour and a half to uh, to Sunday River to you know, get ready for the rally, or the recce the next day. So you just drove the, the rally cars. It's street legal, so, right? Yeah. Yeah, we picked the right sport, right? <laughs> For sure. Oh man, press on regardless before the event Absol- even starts. Jeez. Absolutely. I mean, that's that this is like often. one of the greatest POR stories going, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, being your first rally too, obviously I had a lot to learn. I did have uh, a moment on one stage and broke the transmission uh, by a rock smashing up into the transmission. That night on Friday night, I had to drive further into Maine to find spare parts, change the transmission overnight. The next day, remember, I don't have anything to drive this home with. Right. The, the next day, I had it fixed, like, final seconds of Parks Expose. 
we started all of Saturday. We finished all of Saturday. Sunday, I drove the stupid thing home. Wow. <laughs> but that, that, this is what's great about this level of motorsport, you know, isn't it? It's like, I've not heard a story like this. Well, the, the driving a car the way there and then driving it home, I've not heard a story like that. That goes back to like the 50s. You know, when people used to like dr drive their cars to the in the UK, certainly in the UK, people would like drive their cars to the racetrack and then race them and, and drive them home. I think, it's, I think it's a brilliant story. So that, well, that I mean, is being, being my first rally. I felt yeah. like I needed to kind of trailer the car, you know, mm -hmm. like, oh, I'll trailer it. Because before that, you know, being a, a budget rally a guy through and through, um, I, I had always driven the car to events, even the rally sprints. Mm -hmm rally crosses for years and years and i've never had to be towed home from a rally cross at that point um i always made sure i made it home and sure enough through the rally the first time i trailered it the rally god said you're gonna drive it home <laughs> yeah right <laughs> so, so so obviously that was your first event um how did you finish did you finish where you were looking to i guess despite all the other drama going on i didn't really care where i finished at that point i think it was just kind of a survival thing but i, I believe if i remember correct we we finished fifth on saturday for that for its first time out in um you know regional open to our limited two-wheel drive at that point nice so then, I guess, uh, somewhere in here, uh, you end up getting enough notoriety in your driving uh, expertise that uh, you get noticed by Team O'Neill, huh? I, I wouldn't say that. I mean, you know, I just rallied up for a couple more years, and in 2017 there, um, Team O'Neill had an opening uh, to fill for a, a new, another instructor, actually a couple, as it turned out, but... You know, I knew some of the guys that up up here, obviously, coming up to do the rally crosses and things like that. And they felt that I would be, you know, a good teacher. You know, you don't have mm -hmm. to be entirely the best driver to be a good teacher. But, you know, they felt that I was passionate enough about rally and kind of interested enough in telling people. And, you know, it takes a certain skill set to you know, teach somebody that's not good at it or mm -hmm. doesn't know anything about it or, you know. Is just there kind of on assignment from their job for uh, some of the classes. So, yeah, I was lucky enough to get uh, a job up here kind of out of the picking in 2017 there. That's a, that's a dream job for uh, yeah. many, a, many a driver there. So <laughs> it must be a lot of fun that you have up there at the school uh, and then just can, can take that experience and get that much better out on the stages for yourself. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I had... You know, as we were saying, it was kind of just learned from other people at races mm -hmm. and just through practice kind of figured this and that out. But it wasn't until I started the school that I really realized what I was doing right and what I was doing wrong and why, that kind of thing. And then obviously it's just the constant seat time just mm -hmm. is unreplaceable. But yeah, it's it's a great job. I mean, it's like I said, you just get to, you know, like you're trying to do here with the, the Rallycast, share your passion for the sport with the people that are interested or are maybe interested and they're not sure yet, or maybe not interested and now they are. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you must, you must have then maybe, have you ever come across 
a great natural talent out there, somebody that like gets it straight away and you're thinking, oh my gosh, I can't teach this guy anything. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you get a whole spectrum of people. Um, you know, everybody comes in, you know, maybe thinking they're pretty good. Maybe they don't know if they're good or not. You know, some are very humble about it. Um, but either way, you get some that start off knowing nothing. You know, some come, they saw it on TV, they saw this or that, right? I had a couple not recently come in that were from New York City and they drive, you know, maybe two days out of the year normally, mm-hmm. right? And they never knew how to drive manual and they're up and, you know, it's, it's like they're going ziplining to them almost, yeah, right? Yeah, right. And they don't know anything about it and they learn so much and they, they do really well and they don't think they're doing well because they're learning so much. But they but didn't have doing... any bad habits, right? I mean, when, when, well, when you start from zero, that might actually be better in some cases. Yeah, definitely, right? With with as long as they pay attention, right? If they have no bad habits, they can learn very well. I mean, people with bad habits can also learn very well. But mm-hmm. yeah, definitely, I've seen people that um, you know progress from nothing to very good. I've seen people that come with a little experience and progress tremendously. Um, people that go into you know some kind of runs as we're going on the last day and they do a run where i turn to them and i go i wouldn't have gone that fast that was nuts (laughs) (laughs) that probably gets a little rise out of them that's fun yeah i like it i like it so so you got any specific uh stories that you can share without naming names of course uh i mean you have the typical question you know being a a rally instructor is you know how often do you get crashed um and i like to turn back to people and say well what do you define as a crash (laughs) (laughs) that's always a good one because especially now in the winter time here with all the snow and ice we have right now uh we end up in the snowbank a lot it's no harm no file but uh you know we do have to get pulled out of it a lot right and that's technically a crash but it's no big deal um, more aggressive ones, you know, don't tell the insurance companies, but you know, I, this summer I was rolled over in one of the cars, uh, riding passenger, um, my first rollover. And, uh, earlier in the summer I, I did, you know, end up into a tree riding passenger, um, square on with uh, some student, but it happens, you know, we're, it's inherently dangerous and especially when they're learning and we're kind of pushing them very quickly in five days, things like that are going to happen. Um, there's so many stories of little near misses and, you know, just in very hilarious kind of consequences, uh, you know, sequences of counter skids and things like that where we barely make it out and you have a beer at the end of the day and you laugh about it. But yeah, <laughs> I was going to say, do, do you have a, a better, um, should I say, appreciation for uh, your co-drivers now? Well, actually, my first, I guess I should bring it back. My first rally, I wasn't actually driving. The oh. Uh, oh. The, first, the first time I ever co-drove was 2015 at New England Forest Rally uh, for a friend of mine, Chris Gove, also in E30. I was originally supposed to crew, but his co-driver backed up and it backed out. And he asked me like two weeks before if I wanted to try to co-drive for him. And I had never done it before. So study uh, quick. <laughs> yep. And it worked out. Um, but yeah, I started co-driving and I had co-drove for a few other people before 
you know, my turn to drive came and I've switched back and forth constantly. Um, you know, my normal co-driver, my friend, Kevin, he's built a car uh, a little over a year and a half ago, uh, another E30. He just copied all my notes on what to do nice. on how to build it <laughs> and, and learn uh, from your mistakes. Exactly. I, I find out how to break them and then how to make them stronger. Uh, and then everybody copies what to do. You're a leader. You're a trendsetter. Exactly. Exactly. Like you said, there's not a ton of people mm -hmm. that race the, the BMWs. Uh, and it's kind of become a more of a late trend. But I think I've maybe showed that it's possible or showed that it's go to go quickly in them. So <clears throat> it has become more popular. But yeah, I've, I've switched co-driver driver constantly back and forth. It's It's fun to do both. So I, I just want to talk a little bit more about Team O'Neill and just all the stuff that goes on there for uh, those that don't know. I mean, I'm from the Pacific Northwest. Dirtfish is a closer one. I haven't been to Team O'Neill yet. Sorry. One of these days yeah. I'll have to make a visit. But uh, yeah, obviously one of the top rally schools in the U.S. Uh, been around a lot longer, too. And uh, being up there in the Northeast, I'm guessing you guys are pretty busy. You guys get, get the snow and you get people coming through all the time. But you guys also have a whole range of different cars that people can learn in, right? You got the front wheel drives, you got rear wheel drives, you got the all, you got just about everything, don't you? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're pretty established in that regard for having a really kind of deep um, a depth of training that you can do at the, at the school. I mean, we have the our full-fledged five-day rally school where you kind of experience everything, right? You start out in fiestas. Yes, we force you to start out in front-wheel drive. You can learn a hell of a lot of stuff from the front-wheel drive cars um, <clears throat> and just car control and kind of basically left foot braking and all that kind of thing. Do that for about two days, you know, third day, end of the first, end of the second day, we're, we're messing around with naturally aspirated Subarus, right? Um, fourth day, we're bringing in BMWs, and it all progresses in speed and kind of severity of what we're doing throughout the week. Um, and by the last day, you know, we're messing around with turbo cars, STs, and WRXs, and that kind of thing um, on some of or any of our six miles of roads that are there. So, and it's very tight, very, you know, um, big elevation change from one to another. I think there's a total elevation change of about 400 feet of the facility. So, wow, that's impressive. What do you get the uh, the most of? Uh, what's the most popular classes there? Do people just like want to come for a weekend to get a taste for it? Or do more people come for the full five-day experience or, or what? Yeah, and you get the whole range. I mean, some people come for just two days. Some come for one day. Some come for the whole week. Um, you know, every now and then we'll have certain specific classes that are more focused on all-wheel drive or real drive or that mm -hmm. kind of thing. But, you know, we always tout that uh, it's not really about the car you're in. It's not really about the conditions you're driving in. It's... It's the skills you build that can yeah. make you faster, right? It's car control. Uh, with rally, everything changes constantly. So if you practice, you know, one racetrack and one car constantly, you don't really become that much better of a driver, do you, right? So we we try to mix it up. We try to test you. We try to keep everything interesting and push you a little harder to try everything. So, so there's nothing to really flummox you. Well, and Tim's always been a, you know, big person about start out with a small car and you know learn how to handle that at you know mm -hmm. pushing it to its limit first before you move to something that 
you know, like an all wheel drive where it can kind of save you. Right. And, uh, that way you just really get, get to the limits and, and the car control first before you can, you step up to the bigger cars. Yeah. What is it? Everybody says you can have more fun making a slow car go fast than, uh, than driving a fast car or something like that. Yeah. Than driving a fast car kind of slow. I mean, yeah. The, I mean, the Fiestas we start in, they're, they're normal 1.6, pretty much from the showroom, just all the nannies disabled, 115 horsepower front-wheel drive cars on snow tires. Right? <laughs> They're not fast. They don't have a lot of grip. They have open diffs. But if you can make that thing do whatever Ken Block's doing, then you can make a fast car do that as well. Right? It's just a little bit faster speed. I mean, in my seven-ish years of, of rallying, I haven't felt that I've driven my E30 as fast as the motor could go until this past year. And this is the first year I'm actually doing a power upgrade of sorts. Mm -hmm. Well, that's a perfect segue because uh, now we got to talk to you about that uh, run that you did on (laughs) Conquer Pond with the Domino's Pizza (laughs) delivery strapped to the roof. Okay, What was the impetus of that? Where did that idea come from? Because it's pretty freaking hilarious. (laughs) Well, I think the inspiration might come from a number of years ago, if you remember Brackham Racing and their Neon. Yes. Uh, running the Fig Newton's logo on the windshield, just like Talladega Knights on Concord Pond. I have had this domino sign in my possession for a number of years. A friend of mine found it on the side of the highway. Uh-huh, ask- side of the highway, <laughs> right. I won't ask him any more than that. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I've had it for a number of years, and I actually meant to do this a couple of years ago, or at least last year, but I keep forgetting to bring it, and I actually remembered to bring it this past year um, to Concord Pond. And we kept it in the trunk until the start line, just so no one would be the wiser, but it didn't seem like anybody really minded, so I guess it's all right. No endorsements from Domino's or anything. I have yeah. tried to contact them, but they yeah, didn't got... seem very interested Really? Because I would have thought that would be the perfect thing. They could market it as a pizza pizza delivery and see you clearing the jump on the on the Concord Pond. I would have thought it would be the brilliant opportunity for them. Ah, well, they that's their loss. I think a number of years ago, their thirty minutes or less kind of slogan became kind of a liability, so they Mm. might not want part of that. Well, it definitely was uh, a fast delivery to the end of that stage because you were you were hauling, like you said, you, you've uh, you, you're reaching the limit of that car now and uh, of what it could do, and, and and it showed. You were definitely pushing, not slow at all. <laughs> it was fun to watch. Well, I had I had along with me my coworker Tom Poplinski for his first rally actually, uh, co-driving, and he kept saying to me many times, "Go faster," and I said, "This is all it's got." <laughs> So <laughs> that was the decision to actually push forward with the motor swap that I'm doing this winter. But well, I'm trying to remember how did how did you end up uh, at New England this last year? I mean, I'm I'm forgetting. It's been too many rallies for me. I I was so busy last year. I'm like they're all blending together. Yeah, and unfortunately, with the you know the the budget and the distance that you can travel to do rallies, New England was my last one. Um, you know, nearly nine months ago or whatever here. So uh, we did first in regional open two-wheel drive. I forget the overalls and the combined and all that, but it was really well. And, you know, it's kind of that 
I think I said this to you at the finish of it, but it's kind of the the culmination of what I've been trying to put together for uh, a number of years now, and kind of felt like a great success on you know what it what I wanted to accomplish at least. So now you can do a bit of an upgrade. So uh, explain the upgrade. Uh, well, I'm going from you know the old M20 and BMW nerds would know what I mean. There, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. straight six, uh, two and a half liter motor from 1987 that I might have run on no oil for four miles one time and <laughs> may or may five, not. Yeah, those things happen. There's on one rally for the entire rally, but we won't worry about that. Uh, it's getting a little bit tired, and obviously, even with you know good power, was not really pushing it as fast as I wanted to. So, to avoid pushing it on the brakes farther and ending up in the trees, uh, we're going to add a little power with a motor upgrade from <clean throat> a 2000 5 Series BMW. Mm. A little bit, a little bit bigger motor, aluminum block, double cam, double. You know, VTEC or Vanos, as BMW calls it, and I may have gotten it for free. So, well, that also... that's a very good ah. price, of course. You can't beat free, can you? Well, there's, there's usually nothing more expensive than a free BMW. So. <laughs> that, yeah, that's a very good point. Um, well, as long as you're using some of the older, you know, comp- well, so here's the thing. Usually, when you're when you're dealing with uh, uh, vehicles. They're a system of components. You upgrade one thing, and you can tend to have cascading issues down the line because stresses move to other places, as you probably experienced in, you know, whenever you strengthened one area, now you have a weakness in another area, right, as you figure this out as you develop the car. Are there concerns with upgrading that engine? And, you know, you're talking about transmission and driveline, you know, differentials, that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of something we we witness a lot with you know especially people of you know my level in rally kind of the privateer the the regional guy you know that kind of thing where they're building a car in their backyard and they're trial and error a lot right they don't have the the means to kind of buy the best of everything Mm -hmm. you kind of see what works and you see what doesn't and it's a little bit of trial and error and you might waste a little money here and there trying to figure it out and that's where everybody's kind of copying whatever i break on my car but um you know when i started with the car i I had bilstein hd shocks all around you know what four hundred dollars worth of shocks i had the four-wheel drive car you know four-wheel drive e30 springs a little bit stiffer right got them for maybe 50 bucks and i ran it right and it worked pretty well as i got a little faster i found a little bit of stress in the rear end of the car in certain areas, right? Namely, the trailing arms would bend mm. up and in, adding a lot of camber and toe-in. Not so good. Um, so we strengthened the rear end. I strengthened one part of the rear end, and then the subcrane broke the next year, and then I strengthened that part, and then the body was trying to pull out this past year. So you do move down that line, and you know sometimes you'll have catastrophic failures in some ways or another, but... If it's not a chassis that's really well known, like say a Fiesta or a Mark II Golf or any of these kind of things, where people can just look up what's usually wrong with them, it does take a little trial and error. But you try to use the best kind of stock parts you can find. You try to use 
kind of common sense with what looks small, what's a known issue with that chassis, maybe in track racing, right? In track racing, BMWs are very popular, so mm-hmm. I'm able to look mm-hmm. a little bit and see what's stressed there, because they do put a lot of load on them, but not in the same way. So, yeah. I mean, you, you try to look in the paddock, right? You see somebody with that car that you're about to run, ask right, right. questions. Yeah, right? mm-hmm. That you might have all these ideas about, oh, I need to do this. I need to spend $10,000 on that. And they say, no, buy this $10 part. You're good to go, right? (laughs) You know, that's – so we got a couple of M3s that uh, tend to compete out here in the Northwest. And uh, Dave Clark, the builder, also Dave Clark, the driver, um, just to not confuse the two, but it's confusing. Um, But uh, the builder, he found that the – was it Toyota Supra rear end? I think it is. Um, like mates right up with the BMW uh, rear diff setup, stronger, um, better <laughs> in every which way, and I think lighter at the same time. It's like it's everything you could want, and you just bolt that in instead. <laughs> yeah, I mean my car's a little hodgepodge of that kind of thing at this point. I think you know Dave and Dave there are running a little bit more horse torques as they say these days um than i am so they might be blowing up the stock diff but you know i kind of have a motor uh transmission out of an e36 for better gearing a 410 gear set in the back on a, a standard e30 diff and none of that has ever complained the axles mm-hmm. never complain the diff never complains you know uh, certain vehicles you know have certain weak points and for the E30, I haven't found that it's the drivetrain really. Let's get get off some technical stuff then, because the technical stuff doesn't doesn't in, in, interest. Well, I'm a co-driver, so I don't need to know about the technical <laughs> stuff. You know, <laughs> so I mean, Scott Scott is doing work on the rally truck that, um, for, for 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 the upcoming year, and he's like, he's getting a new engine in there, and it's like, I can't remember what it is. I mean, it's like as long as it goes faster and gets us to the finish line quicker, that'll be fine by me, you know. I'll let him tell everybody about it at, uh, like, Park Expose. <laughs> well, what happens when it breaks down in the middle of the stage? Are you going to be able to help him? Uh, very probably not. <laughs> Hand him a tool. Uh, yeah, I'm good at that. Yeah. Good at Mind that. you, I can only tell you what a 10 mil looks like. I couldn't tell you what anything else looks like. <laughs> Uh, that's the fun part of being, you know, kind of a, a regional privateer kind of guy. You know, you you might have a crew guy or two, and they might be not and never worked in your car before. So as a driver, you have to know everything about your car. You have to know how to fix it. You have to know kind of things that could go wrong and how to fix them quick. So it, it gets pretty interesting when you're at the actual rallies. Yeah, that's it. That's that's the thing. It's like if you're a small privateer and you've got like one. One, if you, I mean, Scott and I have one other guy with us, Jim Cox, and uh, it's like, it's like Jim can't. But when we're out on like recce, you know, Jim can't tow the uh, tow the rally, the rally, the rally truck to uh, like um, to tech because you know we've got the tow vehicle, right? <laughs> so it's like, and it's like we have to cut short recce. I mean, with a, it was like a hundred acre wood last year we could only manage like one a single pass recce but i mean we would like to have done some stages a second time just to get a better feel for them but you know we're tied to getting the uh getting the truck to uh to tech before tech closes you know so it's mm-hmm. the being a being a privateer brings a whole a whole new load of uh 
the problems that like people don't think other people don't don't consider you know yeah and that's that's the the first time rallyer kind of they don't realize all that little stuff they have to take care of it's not just about getting in the car and going uh you gotta pay a lot of friends and a lot of beer to make it happen Mm -hmm. yeah all right so uh new england forest rally is your your home rally and Mm -hmm. uh one you've probably done the most but uh i guess what's your favorite rally is it that one or or do you have another one that's a favorite i do love the challenge of new england um uh, I, th- I think we pride ourselves, I th- uh, as some other rallies do as well, on being one of the tougher ones mm-hmm. on the circuit. Um, large rocks. Watch out for well, the very large rocks. Large rocks. I might have talked about that when I said I ran the car with no oil for four miles. <laughs> that would right. explain it. <laughs> Skid plates can't protect you from everything, folks. No. Um, <laughs> dusty, big rocks, loose rocks, hot it was an average, I think, of 92 degrees and high humidity this past year. And so, long commute. Oh. <laughs> the the transits are very long. Very long transits. So it's very much an endurance event um, compared to some. But, uh, you know, I, I've done STPR a few times. Very much enjoyed that. The roads there are very nice. I did Ohio this past year. Very nice. Mm-hmm. Even with the um, the threatening thunderstorms and tornadoes warnings that we had with hail during service that was very interesting i've been up to canada a few times to do defeat and tall pines tall pines Mm -hmm. is a very awesome rally uh very much again an endurance event with wildly varying road conditions and and weather conditions and it's Uh, all in one day right and from very early in the morning to very late at night (laughs) yeah you start about nine o'clock in the morning and and end up finishing you know maybe past midnight maybe one o'clock the first time we didn't the the cruise didn't finish until after one o'clock with the 33 degrees icy rain that made everything a skating rink so it's yeah it's it's hard and that's that's what makes it fun i think that's what we enjoy about rally it's a little bit harder um you know obviously we want to make it through but when it's too easy we kind of get a little bored so what's your favorite my favorite eh, i think i'll have to still give it to new england um i, I think that it's kind of a not a bigger event, but it's, it feels a little bit, to me at least, as a more um, grandiose event. You it's know, got like almost a festival atmosphere to it, doesn't it? It does, yeah. I mean, so something about that Sunday River area, you know, it's a resort atmosphere there. There's people come from all over. It's just a great setting. And yeah, I, and I, I think that you're right. It just, it's the one that people on the east anyways definitely want to go to and and folks from the west even come all the way over there because it is it's just the one <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. it's the one you go to um, oh, so so i should come over from the midwest to uh to have a go then do you like you dust <laughs> well there is hey, that. Look, there's there is plenty that. of dust there's plenty of dust at ojibwe in the summer i can tell you that so <laughs> but it's not the sandy <laughs> stuff so it doesn't run up with sand like you've uh-huh. got out there in uh, in the ojibwe area um, it, it's, it's definitely more of a, a silty soil, I guess, over there, real hard, compact stuff with just fine powdery dust that goes everywhere. Right. Not the sandy stuff. Yeah. It just seems like everybody shows up, you know, there's, there's always some strange high level car showing up, you know, Ken shows up for it and 
burns his thing down and then I can't run freaking <laughs> south arm out a couple times in a row but you know it's it's fun hmm. so yeah I'm co- I'm going out west this year so maybe next year I'll look for a co-drive for some for somebody to to go out east and uh, do New England then maybe I'll put some feelers out maybe yeah, uh, maybe I'll need somebody next year <laughs> well, well, we'll have to keep in touch then. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'd love to go out west and, and experience that as well. Sometime I've never been out past you know Ohio to, or never even been to to Michigan for snowdrift or anything. So not even as a spectator or anything like that. So be that was going to be my next question: is you know if there is any event on the calendar you could go to, which, which one is it? I'd I'd really like to try like an Olympus. I'd let, you know one day you know set aside some money and do a you know Olympus Oregon kind of duel. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure somebody over here would trip. like hold on to your car while it's here. You know. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. There's it's, plenty it, of people that would do that. Yeah, that's what's lovely about rally that it's nationwide, but we're all the same people. So, if I did you know set aside some time and money to drive it out there, do one event, fly home, fly back, do that whole thing, I think that would be great sometime to do. But um yeah, I'm thinking maybe about LSBR maybe this year um if I can find the time to do so. But yeah, I was going to try to go for a 100 acre wood this year. But I don't think I'll quite be ready in time. And now the entry list is up at what 120 people, so right off the list. <laughs> uh, yes, that is a discussion we're going to have later. I don't know if you want to be part of that because uh, it might get a little dicey. But um, uh, yeah, I'd love yeah. to hear your thoughts. All on right, all right. Why there's a ton of people in rally? Right. Well, rally's dead. Remember. Uh, it's definitely dead. <laughs> not worth it in the USA for sure. Nope, not at all. Uh, actually, I did have another couple of questions um, be- before we move on to other topics like that. Um, mm-hmm. w- one of our group uh, of folks has a, kind of this kind of questions list, and actually an interesting one that I didn't realize before before was a good one to ask is, is there a store be- story behind the car number you chose? 142. I think it's been long enough that I don't quite remember why I picked that, but I remember picking that number for any kind of racing video game or or that kind of thing just kind of a random number i had um and actually the strangest part of it is when i got the car and i got it running the first time and you know got some plates for it back in massachusetts when i used to you know before i lived up here for team o'neill um i got a, a license plate for it just a random not li- you know a uh, specialty plate for it and the plate was 142Y4A, and it cemented oh, yeah. there that you go. I had to run that number. It was just like, I can't believe this is on this license plate right now. This is the number I've run, I've like put on all sorts of random stuff. So, And it's always just stuck. That's awesome. That's awesome. I love that question. That's, that's, that's cool, because I'm sure a lot of people have uh, something attached to the number, if, unless it's, you know... I don't know, we're kind of running out of numbers now, though, uh, with everybody being on ARA now. So I've got to make sure I hold on to mine, right? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, and another one of these uh, questions is, uh, you know, tell about uh, a moment in your car where was, uh, you know, basically had to call upon your bravery or uh, a moment that kind of scared you, but uh, you made it out of it. Made it out of it. Well, you know, there's been times that the uh, 
the rear suspension's been attached by maybe one bolt, and we just keep <laughs> going. Um, there's been one time at Black River Stages, uh, the one time I did that, which had no recce at the time, that there was a, a railroad crossing jump that if I hadn't sent it as hard as I did, we would have wasted two tires on the right side on the railroad tracks and landed kind of in a ditch. Uh, Kevin Kodra having looked up and said, what was that? And I said, nothing. Nothing at all. <laughs> uh, carry on, during, carry on. During during Black River as well, we almost hit a deer on stage. Very close call. What else we got? We got lots of them. Um, you know, there's lots of little moments like that where you kind of just make the corner. Right? Mm-hmm. And I, yeah. I pride myself on trying not to crash because I don't want to pay for it. So... I've only really had one mistake where we talked about breaking the transmission. Uh, it's kind of through a ditch on my first rally, but since then we try to keep it clean, but you know, it never actually goes that way a lot of times. <laughs> I'm sure Ian has a lot of stories like that as well. well. Yeah, I've been fairly lucky though, but uh, yeah, it's like, it's like when you were saying about earlier on, we were talking, you were mentioning about crashes, and it's like you said, like you have to define a bother crashes mm-hmm. you know it's like i've had i've had plenty of incidents but someone like i've not had anything that's like really really bad it was like mike when we you saw us scott and i at ojibwe mm-hmm. and you you remarked on how we had like dents on the side of the car at the front mm-hmm. yes you did have uh what looked like you got some into some scrub brush there yeah and what what had happened we we'd got matching dents on either side of the front of the truck and it's because we got a bit of a tank slapper on and we uh we left the truck we left the trail and headed towards some trees and the trees were pretty much just the exact width apart as the width of the was the width of the truck all it did was just like ding it in a little bit you know six inches to the left or six inches to the right and we would have taken a headlamp out or something like that, but uh, so yeah, we've had a few, a few like that. But uh, there's nothing that I can think that's like really bad. I mean, touch wood yet, you know. I mean, we're pretty jaded on that too. I think <laughs> being rally drivers and co-drivers, uh-huh. you know, normal situations for people in the in the car on a road, they would call that very scary. But it's kind of just stage three, you know. <laughs> yeah, I didn't die. We're good. Yeah. <laughs> we're still going. I mean, it's like I'm the absolute like worst pass, especially here on Min- in Minnesota in the winter. Now, you know, we just had a we just had a snowstorm blew through a couple of days ago, and it's like the road roads are like got like half an inch of solid ice on them around here, and it's like I am the absolute worst passenger to be in the car in these conditions. But you get me down a far. Or a forest trail in the co-driver seat, and I am perfectly fine. It doesn't matter what the conditions are. I've been in some pretty dicey conditions. I've been in some like pretty excellent conditions, but it's like I just don't care. You know, it's <laughs> you know I have to focus on I focus on my job, and I'm just not at all phased about what's going on, what's going on around me. But here, 
on the roads in any slight adverse road conditions it's like no way you have to worry about everybody else and you're not in a five-point harness that's strapped in so tight that you can hardly breathe so Uh you know yeah Yeah. there is that difference you get a little bit of that you know a little physical assurance when you're strapped in like that right so yeah 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 with that i'm kind of a an interesting co-driver nowadays because you know i do get quote-unquote crashed a lot and feel the car doing not what the driver wants a lot um teaching people how to you know get into this and when i ride with somebody co-driving and something feels a little astray i'll instantly nothing i can do about it start instructing them how to fix it and then if we do kind of like go through one ditch and the other they might get a little flustered about it but that's like tuesday to me Mm -hmm. So <laughs> I'll just keep nice. reading. I don't really care at this point, which might be a bad thing, right? You know, you, you should be a little worried about that maybe as you're careening towards trees and stuff, but very much <laughs> turned off on any of that kind of danger and just instantly start telling them what to do no matter what. So you've been pretty lucky so far. So is that because maybe you have any pre-event routines or superstitions? Prevent routines or superstitions. No, I I think usually you're just so harebrained going into you know any of the days, and it's, there's a constant flow of rally that you never really have any downtime to yeah to think about any of that kind of stuff. You know, everything's um, on the constant moving clock, and you just got to go go go. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as I mean, even as you have more crew, you know, say you have a full team, that kind of thing. David Higgins and Craig, they're still constantly constantly thinking about their notes and what's next and this stuff so you try not to have any downtime in that way to think about oh and get hyped about hype, hype yourself up about it overly so i don't really feel that way i kind of just get ready and go i mean maybe during park expose and that first transit you're feeling a little bit loose and that's where i think new england's pretty hilarious where you're you haven't started you haven't really driven yet and guess what send it down Concord Pond, the fastest stage on the whole circuit. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is quite the way to wake up, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I, I, need to, I need to do Concord Pond. Yes, I need to be, I need to be there. <laughs> for, for such a short stage, it has everything you could ever want in a stage. I mean, just doing recce on that road mm-hmm. is hilariously fun. I can't imagine what it's like at speed in a rally car. Doing recce on that road for people that haven't been there, they come to me and they say, why is it so wide? Why is it so fast? <laughs> it's so much faster than your normal, because um, it's a, a public road. There's houses, mm-hmm. there's, there's lake houses. It's not your backwoods rally stage per se. It's like right near the center of town almost. <laughs> and so it's very well maintained. It's very fast. It's very wide. And so you you realize how fast you can actually go through it on wrecking and then you try it (laughs) (laughs) and and there's just again all those different crests into turns it's finland-esque really oh yeah for sure so speaking of that stage one thing that i love about concord pond and and actually what new england offers that's different than most of the rallies we go to is they have some stages where uh, spectators can line the stages um and watch the rally um so they're actually going out into the woods to watch it and uh 
what's what's that experience like for you do you, do you like having all the spectators out there do you, do you show off a little bit for spectators oh i i love the love the the amount of spectators there are at new england i mean the other rallies have been to have had tons and areas but you will go through sections in any rally that has nobody for miles right and you might see this right. one person and you're like how did that guy get here <laughs> um, he disobeyed the marshals that's how he got there <laughs> He's been there for 10 years and he knows where to go. Exactly. Uh, but there is, at the end of, they change the name a lot, but I'll say Fish Pond, Servant Pond, whatever you want to call it. The end of that stage for the pa- the last three miles or so, mm-hmm. uh, I just have marked begin party time. <laughs> I love that note. That's great. Because... The end of that stage is just constant, constant threes and fours with big rocks on the sides, big embankments, and there is hundreds of people all the way for those three or four miles. And mm-hmm. for me, in a real drive car, on threes and fours with decent power, it's party time. We're just back and forth, drift this, drift that. What's up? How you doing, everybody? Kevin's talking <laughs> the horn the entire goddamn time. <laughs> It's hilarious. Does he have like a, a a button on the floor that he can hit not for on, that? Not on the floor, right on the dash. We nice. should upgrade to a floor button at some point, but might make it a little easier for him doing the notes and hitting that, you know. <laughs> well, that's the fun part about it. It's all threes and fours almost without kind of variation, so you know what the turn is almost, and you just yeah. you don't care. You just sideways third you gear flow the entire it. time. Nice. That's so much fun. Well, I got to uh, ex- experience it. I think last time I heard it was called Sturdivant or something like that. But either way, um, yep. I was, for the first time, got to spectate that and uh, you know do some video stuff with Tiffany. And we were on that stage. And, yeah, spectators that have been out there uh, since early in the morning trekking out there and just lining the place. They've got people get setting up their little grills to cook food. And just it, it, it reminded me of, like, in Europe of what they would have. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, some of the videos we saw from Sweden, WRC Sweden and whatnot. And it was just, it was pretty cool experience, except for the fact that the bugs were freaking massive out this year. So, oh, but other yeah. than that, it was, uh, it, it was a pretty cool experience being out there with everybody and, and seeing what that type of environment is like. Cause out West we've got designated spectator areas. We don't let anybody, people just kind of flow in, you know, and try and control that. It's just a little too difficult for the roads that we've got. They're just so fast and whatnot. We're just a little careful about that, but mm-hmm. uh, it's cool that you guys have that out there out East. Yeah. The, the other stages that aren't as heavily advertised for spectating, like I'm going to, I'm going to say this here and this is very highly debated. Aziskahas or however, or however you want to say that. Stage. I figured you'd know better than me for you're from the area, man. I mean, uh, <laughs> no one knows. No one knows how to say it. Um, there's, there's an A in there, there's a Z, there's a C, there's H's and S's, I whatever. <laughs> Sounds like it's as bad as a Welsh place name. Right? Yeah. <laughs> there's a section where two groups of spectator individuals, and I spotted this both times through, and I studied it on the way by because it's very interesting. They made themselves a double-decker kind of platform out of lumber. Fresh lumber, built it up. One platform, another platform on top. They're all sitting on there. I think some couches. They were there, camped really? out, ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> That's dedication. I love no. it. 
the ingenuity of some some of our fans. You know, it uh, they do rival the fans in the WRC, don't they? Mm. And sometimes, yeah. So, awesome. so 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 do you, do you follow the WRC at all? I do keep up with it. Um, you know, I, I try to watch at least the highlights of of all the rallies. I you know. I, fruitlessly try to avoid spoilers on it but <laughs> following the social medias on anything you're going to see who wins and who whatever but yeah i try to keep up with it it's just you know just despite however many years you do it those guys are just going so much faster and so much more precisely than i can even imagine going at this point so it's awesome to watch and it's awesome to keep up with and it's the top level of sport i always try to describe to people that aren't into rally that rally is very much like soccer or football, as you want to call it, Ian. Um, <laughs> Thank you. I'm okay yeah. with calling it that because, uh, you know, in, our football is more like hand eggs. So there you go. <laughs> in, in America, we rally. We rally some. Some people are into it. Most people are not. In Europe, everybody knows what football or soccer or rally is, and it's much more popular. Um and I compare it for them that WRC is our version of F1. It's the top level. It's the most mm-hmm. money spent on it. It's the best drivers. And we think they're better drivers than F1 anyways. So oh, yeah. I'd agree with you on that. <laughs> so we're just two two races into uh, into the season, WRC season. What's your, what's your thoughts on the way things are developing? I think it's pretty interesting so far. I think it's pretty silly for Citroen to pull out the way they did. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's kind of a cop-out on not having a as competitive car. But, you know, I'm also not a WRC engineer, so I can't really say that that's true or not. But I think it's pretty awesome, the competitive level so far, and then how kind of anybody seems like they could win a rally so far. Um, I'm always pulling for my man, Craig Breen. Nice. Mm-hmm. I like yeah. Craig. He's awesome. He's, a, he's such, such a good guy. Such a genuine person. Uh, yeah. You know, I hope he gets more drives this year. But That's like Hayden, you know? Yeah, Hayden. Which I, I felt so bad for Hayden that, you know, he didn't... I mean, yeah, it felt like he never got a proper shot. He almost did, and then not quite. Yeah, yeah it's very when fickle, you... the inner workings of the WRC, it seems. It, it, it You're not really sure who could be on the driver's seat any week, you know? Sebastian Loeb got put out on Sweden for for Craig because he kind of had a not as awesome performance in Monty, but who knows? So let's uh, bring it back uh, to the Americas. Is there anybody, any team or any person that you kind of look up to as far as kind of, I don't know about mentor, but uh, someone you kind of, you know, that's a level I'd like to get to or someone that you, you know, just you know, experience wise and how just on it they are that you, uh, kind of, you want, you'd like to mimic. Yeah, for sure. I mean, y- you look at the kind of the, the wide scope of American rally at least, and cause of the people you're racing against and that's kind of your benchmarks. Um, I always look at, uh, Michael Hooper for me being real well mm-hmm. dry. He used to race yeah. for me as well. You know, pretty amazing driver there and pretty awesome car that he's got these days. And, you know, trying to keep up with him at Ohio and and stuff like that is always an interesting challenge. Um, I like comparing myself to, uh, you know, Potts and see if we can keep up with Potts. You know, they're mass hole like myself. 
But it, you know, it, I look at the real drives in particular For mostly. Sure. Sheamus at that level, yeah, Sheamus. Uh, I'm not sure. I'll see what happens this year. I think I'm I'm looking to see what this motor swap is going to do for you know those crazy national guys because I'm still a regional guy. You know, I still mm-hmm. compete with mm-hmm. pretty standard vehicle, standard power, standard almost shocks. You know, but not crazy V6 Mark II escorts. So <laughs> yeah, well, keep an eye on Brad Morris. He's uh, he's got some new equipment. He's going to be running. Um, later in the year, so yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I keep up with the two wheel drive guys a lot, and you know, I, I look at all the my four wheel drive friends as well. Um, I think me and um, TJ Pollan have progressed at a pretty similar rate. We started the same rallycross the same year. Oh, really? With, no, with our, mm. with our cars, and we've kind of progressed in a similar level. So, shout out to TJ doing it, doing it snowdrift this year, mm-hmm. trying to do that. So. Yeah, it's good to it's good to watch everybody. Um, nice. At the top level, you you hope that somebody can challenge Subaru, but you never know. <laughs> well, plenty of rumors uh, around with Subaru. Um, there's uh, there's obviously changes that are going to happen this year, um, mm-hmm. so a lot of people are nervous as to what's going to happen. But uh, from what it looks like, there's definitely two cars going to be at Hundred Acre. Uh, from what I hear, rumor-wise, is sounds like there's gonna be two cars for the entire championship. But uh, as far as the drivers, it's all kind of up in the air right now. Yeah, um, I have a I have an inside line on the mechanic for one of the teams, and he no. can't mm. tell he can't tell me who he's crewing for. He says he'll be <laughs> at a hundred acre, but he doesn't know. Yep. He doesn't yeah. quote quote know who for. That's exciting. That's you know I I think it's good. I think change is good there. I mean, you know, I, I, I've known David for, you know, many years now and uh, him and Craig and, you know, those are the guys that were, they were the standard. Um, yeah. They could always get the job done and whatnot. But I also have to think that when you're a manufacturer team in motorsports, the funding for that is the marketing budget, right? And at some point, marketing wants to make a change, right? Mm-hmm. And I can see that they may want is like, you know, let's get somebody fresh in there or whatever, something different. Um, it, it, it does look like, you know, you know, as they've said with David and Craig, that they're not going to be back for uh, a full season this year. So uh, that makes us wonder who is that, uh, who are the, those car drivers going to be in those cars? So it should be exciting. Yeah. Exciting I, think, stuff. I think David and Craig have proven, you know, obviously over the years that they can do it and they have done it. And again, really have, and, again really... and again, and <laughs> again, yeah. Mm-hmm. They don't really have anything yeah. else to prove, so not that they're bored, but you know, it's time to do something else. Agreed. Yeah, and I think it's important now for Rally in America to get American drivers in the preeminent works team in this country. Yeah, I mean, you got to stir some some interest. You know, you got to get yeah. that top level competition uh, on a whole bunch of different kind of spectrums and you know people ask me all the time at the school you know people that aren't as into it you know is america really successful nationally uh internationally and i have to say no i mean we're not we gotta kind of find that next level on uh you know the rally drivers in america here and kind of get them boosted up now there was a what was it a red uh WRC three or four win 
from an American driver? Yes, um, yeah. in the RC4 class, which is basically RC4, the two-wheel okay. drive class uh, at Rally Monte Carlo. Yes, we had uh, Sean Johnston and Alex Kiriani, both Americans, uh, driver and co-driver. They won their class, which uh, first time for Americans outside of the U.S., from what I can tell, uh, winning in a class. So that was huge. But what was significant about uh, Sean and Alex's drive there, to me anyways, was how they really dominated in that class. And um, Sean's background as a uh, a Porsche GT driver, um, prior to that, I I think just the the tarmac spoke to him. And he could really, for some reason, he got the setup of that car just how he wanted. And when they had a clear lead on the final day, they didn't need to push. And yet he still won two of the stages on the final day, I think it was. I mean, that just shows how comfortable he was in that car. And that's impressive and gets me excited to see what their potential future is. Yeah, absolutely. That'd be awesome. But, uh, well, let's let's talk about that 100-acre wood situation, I guess. Uh, If you want to be part of that, uh, we'll bring you in and and let you uh, show your opinion. But, yes, uh, entries-wise... Um, what I see, I guess 103 right now is showing up on Sneak Attack Rally, and which is the place to go if you go to want to look up the uh, the entry lists and uh, look up like past timing and scoring stuff and whatnot. Uh, go to sneakerattackrally.com. Thank you, Nathan Usher, for putting all that stuff together because it's just kick ass. Um, he added some upgrades Absolutely. too. Um, you can get like uh, there's now links to like the social media for different teams and stuff. So it continues to upgrade this uh, this page. So very cool stuff there, but. Um, yeah, so originally they said, hey, 75 entries, usually not an issue. All right, let's, uh, everybody, let's, uh, open up registration and, you know, or, or, uh, open up, uh, early entries. And I think it took a little over a week and they hit 75. Mm-hmm. They had like 60 with 60 within about two, three days, I think. I mean, we, Scott got our entry in on the second day and we were we were 60 something i believe so <laughs> it's uh, it's amazing how it filled it filled up yeah, so quickly it filled up pretty quick um and then after that you know it uh it kept creeping up and creeping up and then there was kind of these later entries that started coming it's like well, wow well, now we're at 75 now we're at 78 now we're at 85 86 90 holy cow we're hitting 100 and the organizers have to make a decision, right? Mm-hmm. So, I, I and I think I may have brought this up in the last podcast, but you know, I think it, it, it bears repeating. Have when, when you're planning a rally, there's you know because we're not everybody on track at the same time like a circuit, right? You've got these cars that are constantly moving around, and each car being a minute apart adds to the time you've got to sweep a stage make sure it's clear before the next car can start again um so when you're doing a loop of stages and whatnot there's a lot you have to do to factor in how many cars you can run Mm -hmm. right so uh so you got to factor that in um you may even need is one ambulance enough do you need to have a second one uh because the way the the stages are rotating around um do you need uh um a bigger service park because you've planned for this many. Oh crap. Now you have, you know, that many more entries. And is it a space now you have to pay for to get to that, uh, to get more space um, for those other entries. So 
it's a big challenge for organizers. Um, I don't, I want to make sure that that part is very clear. It is not mm-hmm. easy to go beyond what you, what your state of limit was. Now, according to rule book, um, what we've seen posted uh, a few times on, uh, on the socials and whatnot is that once you go past what your stated limit is for entries, is it, it is organizer discretion yeah. on how the, the, the entries can go in. The ones up to that limit are first come, first serve. And they honored that at 100 mm-hmm. Acrewood, right? So yeah. everybody that was in that first 75 that got in, um, they made sure they, you know, they, they got they got their entry in in that first 75 for that first week. Anybody after that, you're on a wait list. Um, the organizers go back and they, you know, start adjusting, you know, trying to look how can we fit these extra cars? How many can we fit? With 100 people on a wait list, um, well, I guess another 30-something were on the wait list, I guess, beyond the, or 25 uh, past the um, 75 there. Um, they, they started to try to figure that out. They actually had to remove a stage to make the loops work because by the time the first cars finished service and got back around again, they wouldn't have had enough time to clear a stage before <laughs> that car could start again. Uh, just as I was talking about earlier. So um, their choice was, okay, we can top out at 90. Now you have to come up with a decision on how, what do you choose between 75 and 90? Now their choice was to uh, leverage of all those on the wait list, the nationals, mm-hmm. people entered as nationally first before the regionals. Uh, this obviously caused a lot of stresses and uh, upset on the internets. Um, I understand why they chose that. And I, I can understand the frustrations as well, though. Everybody thinks just first come, first serve, no matter what. Um, if it's somebody truly going for a national, then they would not be able to get points at an event. They didn't, that'd have to be one of their drops, and they never even got a chance to do it. So I can see that being a decision maybe going into that. Um, obviously, it's a higher entry fee. So if you're thinking that maybe they had to pay for extra space or something like that, maybe that went to the decision-making. I'm, I'm not the organizer for 100 Acre Woods, so I, I couldn't tell you for sure. Mm-hmm. But they did leverage those entered nationally first over those that went regional. Um, yeah. And they still allowed – so there were still several regionals that got in yeah. um, beyond that limit. But no, I... instead of getting so angry at this whole thing, what I would like to say, though, before before I hand off to Ian, is congratulations on these organizers to be able to expand from 75 to 90. Because mm-hmm. that's really effing cool. Yeah. And if there's a problem in rallying that's because we have too many entries, I'd like to have that problem over some of the other problems. Absolutely, for there sure. Yeah, but I totally agree with you. I think uh, the thing that contributed to... Uh... A lot of what a lot of the disquiet and upset at the time was um, the way <clears throat> the way information seemed to have been released. You know, I I found about that found. Excuse me, that's that's my porter tripping me up over my words. <laughs> <laughs> I found out about the uh, the ninety cutoff on on an on a Facebook post. You know, I'd 
I'd not heard anything. Scott hadn't heard anything. I mean, we assumed we were in, but then I saw that uh, friends of mine who I thought they'd entered around the same time as we did, so they didn't get in. So, I mean, I do know that some 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 people received an email from the organisers saying that hey, if you get this email, you're in. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I never I never received that email. And you did get you know, it. I didn't get that email. So, I mean, there's, a, there's obviously a lot of confusion at their end as yeah. well to make sure to, so that some people didn't get the email. And then I had a problem with with the uh, with the website, the uh, Wood website. I was went to the uh, subs and and the bulletins and they didn't refresh until like for me they the, the bulletin didn't come out to maybe half past nine ten o'clock i didn't see it until then so we'd had like uh, an hour and a half or so of confusion and nobody really knew what was going on i mean now we sit back a week ten days later mm-hmm. and everything 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 makes so much sense and we can all be calm and collected yeah. about it and I totally agree with the decision that was made. It is a national rally, so national entries come first. So it was just there was a lot of confusion at the time. I would agree communication is key in anything like mm. this. I mean, yeah. yeah, from the get-go, you should always make sure you communicate. Um, uh, I don't know, Dan, go ahead and lend us your thoughts. Oh, I, I do agree with your final point that it's a national rally and national entries should come first ish on that um you know i obviously i put it up to the the organizers of the area you know if this issue would happen with new england forest rally i know that the organizers of that rally would kind of look at the entries see who isn't in in yet and kind of make a decision on the people that make sense to be there um Mm -hmm. you, you could go basic you know very basic you know i entered three seconds before you did so i'm in before you that would be the most scientific way mm-hmm. but you do have to kind of yeah look at that a little bit and see the people that aren't chasing the the national championship um it's it's hard it's it's never easy that kind of thing uh, i'm kind of experiencing that with the you know the mount washington hill climb this year mm-hmm. um there was 155 entries for wow. Wow. maybe top-level 80 cars that could actually go. So the decision there to make kind of who could go and who can't, it's not even on – none of it is on who entered first and who didn't, who didn't. It was all a selection process. So not that I think rally should be like that. Um, I think hopefully if we can sustain – this level of interest and this level of entry uh kind of like to your point we we add more regional rallies we add more Mm -hmm. national rallies we expand the sport so Mm -hmm. you know hopefully we get some people in there that are are fresh to rally you know especially you know it would very much not be very good but somebody that just built their car it's their first time they just finished it a couple months ago and they entered maybe a little late because they weren't they were worried they weren't going to be ready and now they're Mm -hmm. 
102nd on the list and they don't get in and they don't have the time or kind of cash to enter another rally until next year. Yeah. And I mean, you don't want to and you want to see their car up on the Facebook for sale page like uh oh, Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. Life and, happened I, and I never got to rally and I, that would yeah. really bum me out, you know, mm-hmm. but it's all it's it's hard to choose. It's very hard to be I I don't uh envy those organizers on trying to choose who who or how or what gets in, but mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think what organizers from other events and you know, organizer hat coming on uh, for Oregon Trail here, uh, I think I think it's just uh, maybe we need to have it clear in the SUPS ahead of time of if we have more than what we originally state, make sure it's clear how we're going to do it in, yeah. in advance. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's not a problem. I think they thought they'd have to have, and so we can't fault them. Yeah, uh, but it, it it is difficult and. I, I understand those that felt like they were burned, but they still did the top 75 that were the original limit by the rules and first come, first serve. They they did that. Um, so, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's it's hard to react, you know, say how you'd react, but I say if I was 99th on the list when I entered, I wouldn't be too mad about how the the rest mm-hmm. of them were kind of selected I, you know i i know i missed my chance you know if i show up late for my my train to the to the city in the morning then if it's still there then that's great but if i miss my time then that's on I you my time yeah exactly you know? exactly yeah perhaps, perhaps this is something we're now going to have to get get used to you know with uh, uh oversubscription for, for entries it's kind of like you know i used to run run a lot of marathons and i entered i entered the london marathon for several years and the london marathon has a waiting list for the waiting list it's that's uh, so popular and it's like i never i i never expected to get in and i never did I mean, only, only one, uh, uh, twice. I, I entered three. I entered three times, and the first time I didn't get past the first stage, and the other two times I got on. Uh, I got past the first waiting list and onto the second waiting list. But it seems like we we maybe need to now the uh, the crews have to have this mentality in their mind that rally now is so popular that. If you're going to enter an event, you might not. You might not get in. You you hope it gets to the level that if you look at you know say Europe again with rally, you know, uh, I know like Finland and rallies like that. They they have over a hundred and forty cars usually that run that rally during you know WRC Rally Finland. You know, not all of them are scored on WRC standards, but. A very select few, I would assume, get into the non-WRC section of that rally. And you you could see that gain, you know, hopefully, I hope you see this gain, the popularity of it, that, like, rallies that are, like, LSPR, New England, or STPR, they become national rallies that only the, you know, quote-unquote elite enter mm-hmm. and then there's many many feeder rallies yeah into that top level mm-hmm. you know the same way you, you get you know to a, a different extreme you get like 
MLB baseball and you have triple A baseball and you know, little, you know, many people are doing it, but maybe not at the top top level. I mean, be very, you know, it's it's kind of a, a great story for you know, like me or anybody that's kind of been just so interested in it and that can go and enter their dream rally. But if it becomes that popular, then it just can't happen anymore, unfortunately. So uh, let's talk about R fives because that seems to be a thing now. How many R5s are there for 100 Acre Wood? I think it was six, seven, something like that. What do you think of all these uh, European cars uh, coming and uh, making the trek over here to the States? Anyone? Oh, Anyone? Yeah, this, Bueller? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, was, I, was wait, I was waiting for... You, waiting you go for, first. Yeah. Well, I, th- I believe it's the way forward. That, uh, w- for the, the way forward for American Rally is for the rally fan who watches WRC to go out into the forests of New England or Minnesota or out onto the uh, or into into Oregon and see the same basic same cars out there. That's how rally is going to move forward when you can see the same cars in this country as you would see on your WRC plus coverage. And uh, the more, the merrier, I say. I, I do believe that uh, with enough of them, it makes sense. I think um, I was. I, I think a lot of people were not aware that last year there was a RC, whatever class <laughs> that was scored all year for R five cars. Yeah, the RC two. Yeah, I, I, I didn't even no know. And I'm supposed was... to be doing the podium stuff and all. Wait, what? <laughs> Uh, if there's enough of them, uh, I like it. That's great. Yeah, yeah. But having that spec per se class is not a good thing. I, I think it's. I, I've seen many other kind of groups of rallying, like Irish rallying and stuff like that, that have said that R5 cars have kind of saved their programs because mm-hmm. it just it specifies and you know. It kind of levels the playing field for some and that kind of thing. You know, um, in that class, you obviously have to spend X amount of money to have that vehicle, but um, it is a good way to get people interested in it. You know, uh, with American Rally, I think we pride ourselves on diversity in rally cars in general, mm-hmm. and it mm-hmm. makes it very interesting, but it also makes it harder to kind of get into, right? When you have that. If I buy this thing, it will work, and it will work this fast, and it's very fast, and that's really good for getting people into the sport, right? And they know exactly what they're getting. They know exactly what they're competing against. I think it depends on what you're getting into the sport for, right? I mean, if you're coming in, I I just want to be a driver, right, versus Mm -hmm. the I'm the shade tree mechanic uh, builder guy, and I also like driving. I find interest in the project that is the car versus the guy that I want to arrive and drive and focus on nothing but the driving. I think it's just two different things, right? Oh, two very different things. And I, and I hope we always keep that diversity in American rally where we have the crazy nutso Seamus Burke escort Mark two thing. And we have with a V six in it, right? (laughs) We have, you know, the, I'm looking at the entry list like now, and we have the the Pat Moros with the V8 
freaking Chevy Sonics right? that make no goddamn sense but are awesome. And, you know, all these things that are really cool, but also those things that are really high level and, you know, semi-regulated in some ways, you know. Uh, I think if you make that more the top level, that's your answer to a more content, can, competitive top level. But uh, who am I? You know, I drive a 32-year-old car, so. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. I don't really know. I don't really know how that works, so. You are driving the fun wheel drive car, though, so there we go. We like to say rad wheel drive. Oh, rad wheel drive. <laughs> rad I got wheel. The, I got uh, the wrong uh, term. Wow. Okay. Uh, uh. I'll have to learn that. <laughs> hey, you've learned something tonight, Mike. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Yeah. So, uh, Ian, you have something to talk about with uh, Goodwood? Yeah, I, I don't. This is this is really this is quite exciting. This one, the Goodwood Festival of Speed. Everybody, I mean, think. Most of us watched Oliver Solberg go up the hill climb at the Goodwood Festival of Speed last year. In that was a Skoda, wasn't it? Uh, no, it was in their um, it was in their VW. I was um, in the VRX VW. Yeah. marvelous run on the ragged edge as he forlornly chased the um, the VW the the electric car up the hill there. But I mean that was that was fantastic to watch and. Uh, so the Goodwood Festival of Speed is like one of the premier motorsport celebrations in the world, and it's not just about the uh, the hill climb there that uh, everybody goes for. There is a rally stage. Mm-hmm. In, yeah, it's a short the, little forest stage they do short, on the backside, about, right? Yeah, about one about one point nine two miles, something like that, and. Uh, the, in it's the past few years, it's just been a bit of a demonstration run, you know, that uh, the um, it's an exhibition, yeah, yeah, an exhibition. You know, the the uh, the big teams have been there. You know, the Elvin's been there. Um, Mads and and Andreas Mickelson have been there. Yeah, you know, they 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 use it as like a public PR thing, you know, and they'll take sponsors up, sponsors on a, a run around the rally stage, but this year. There's going to be a timed shootout in the ra- in the rally stage. So I mean, this is going to be really it's about time, exciting. really. Yeah, honest. about time. Yeah. So this is actually going to be really exciting because you've seen you see what effort manufacturers put into going to the festival of speed and taking cars up the hill. You know, perhaps this is going to go the same way for rally cars. And we'll see a whole new rally audience. Well, they focus so much of the cameras on usually just the hill climb and and the exhibition going on there. That hopefully that means they'll devote more time into showing what's going on on the uh, rally stage. I think because of the past couple of years, if you were a member, you member at Goodwood, you could there was like a separate live there was a separate live stream for the rally stage in fact i ah. did. So I sat there and watched it once while others while the other stuff was going on i could actually log into my goodwood account and watch yeah 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 okay. yeah 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 <laughs> but i would imagine now that that's probably going to go by the way and the, the you're going to have a properly timed shootout run and you know you could see people like elvin and um and mads and uh ogier and Robin all these guys going for 
the win on this Festival of Speed rally stage. I think that's going to be quite exciting. So Goodwood is certainly working working hard on their rally this year. I'm very much in favor of that. I think uh, I think it just goes to show the impact the sport's had that since WRC has kind of moved to that, what, the new platform in 2017, the interest has just kind of gone up. Economy's gotten better, too, generally. So just, you know, that tends to factor into all kinds of motorsports. But, um, I mean, we're not to Group B level of popularity, but we've definitely seen, I think, a global increase. And um, I think that just kind of reflects that, and that's cool. I'm all good. I'm all for it. I am all for it. Um, so here, so I think that's kind of it for general subjects. We we're going to kind of chat about Dan. You got uh, anything you want to chat about on your side? Um, no, not for general rally subjects. I don't think. I mean, I didn't even think about the Goodwood thing. I, I, I think I learned about the Goodwood rally stuff last year. I didn't even know they did it. So <laughs> cool that they do it, though. Yeah, it's 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 very cool. It's like. But it is, it's like a very, it's a very jolly, relaxed sort of affair. And it's like you, the biggest prize, the biggest prize on the uh, the uh, rally stage is like, it's like a spirit award, you know. It's like because there was a team won last year in a VW Volkswagen Jetta, I think it was. And uh, they, they, they started on like the... Uh, they were practicing on the Thursday and blew an engine up. And then Thursday night into Friday morning, they replaced the engine. Then they went out Friday morning and crashed the thing. So uh, Friday night, they were like repairing it to get it out there and compete on Saturday and Sunday. So the, the thing was, uh, they won like the Spirit, the spirit Award for, for, for that. So. so now they get an actual timed award. Now oh. it's going to be a really serious sort of thing. I love that. Love that. Well, I'm a, I'm a fan of the press on regardless type of award too. So uh, maybe the, hopefully they'll still do that one as well. Oh, I would ho- I would hope so. I would think so. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Dan, um, what is the next rally we will see you at? Uh, I think you know I wanted to go back to Ohio this year, but uh, I have a very important friend's wedding to go to on that same weekend. So uh, unfortunately, missing that one. I think the next rally will be a year after my last rally unfortunately at new england uh i think this year i plan to do new england stpr and maybe a first lspr visit well hopefully hopefully you'll make it out to lspr and i will see you there yeah absolutely we have been doing this thing called tall pines and it's been pretty Mm -hmm. fun so i might it's kind of up in the air between those two but Uh i do want to hit myself against those other American guys that I've been already competing against. (laughs) Excellent stuff. Uh, Is there anybody you'd like to uh, thank supporters and whatnot uh, before we let you go? Yeah. I mean, big shout outs to the new England region SECA for making me what I am. The, the rally cross program there and all those people in this region that have, with statistics, the strongest rallycross region in the country, um, which we're pretty p- proud of. Um, New England's very strong up here with the rally. Uh, you know, all the the close friends, Jesse Witzel and all that in Rhode Island, where you know I, I, I was from before, Banchworks and the BBHM, that kind of thing. Um, Team O'Neill for giving me a shot. Some stupid rally nerd that 
is still just a stupid rally nerd and <laughs> just does it for fun every day now instead of on the weekends. Um, for, so thanks for having me around. Uh, yeah, look out for Mount Washington Hill Crime, um, the New England Forest Rally, and sometime later in the in August, maybe early September, our Rally Fest up at Team O'Neill, where we kind of open nice. the doors to everybody, and I can give you a hot rod and a, and a WX or something, and have people go entirely too fast to try to scare the crap out of you. <laughs> on our Fun stuff. I like it. Uh, nice. Too bad you couldn't be thanking uh, Domino's Pizza. That's all, that's right. all I can there say. You, know, right? you think I have a big-time corporate sponsor there with that, but... <laughs> you know, I, did, I was talking to my wife just before I came in in here, and she said, who are you having on the show tonight? I said, Dan Downey. And she says, who? I said, I said look, I'll show you. So I found found a picture of the uh, of your car with the Domino's pizza sign clearing the jump on Concord Pond, and she thought it was brilliant. <laughs> there you I go. Mean, Wife approved. <laughs> we just had to have fun out there, you know? I mean, that's, that's really my my mantra with this whole thing is just... Don't overthink it. Go try it. You can do it. You can rally cross. You can go do rallies. You can add yourself to that 105 people on Hundred Acre Woods. It's not unattainable. Uh, actually, speaking of car builds, uh, I did see somewhere that because uh, you know Team O'Neill used to do more builds for other folks with their relationship with Ford and all that. Uh, I guess you guys are doing your final car build, and then everything else is just keeping stuff in house, right? Yeah, I mean, we don't really build cars uh, at this moment for for folks. Uh, We kind of defer to Thompson Racing Fab at the moment. Um, There wasn't currently the the high-level interest of making a ton of cars at once uh, for us. So, yeah, it's it's a big – we're focused on the training. That's where everything's built off. Uh, that's where you know school started and everything kind of kind of runs through and you know we, we haven't really touched on it but we do a lot of military training. I was going to say I was it, the fun part is the guys with guns in the cars but uh, I, didn't, I wasn't <laughs> sure if you were able to talk about that or not. <laughs> no, absolutely. We do a lot of uh, training with the armed forces, both domestic and foreign, um, you know, with the same kind of almost rally cross class that we do for the enthusiasts out there. So we're very busy with that kind of stuff and you know we have around a rally car that we're kind of putting back together um but we're not building a lot of builds right now um so not not something that we never get back to back in the future but just we're we're a driving school right we try to teach people how to drive maybe not always (laughs) build a bunch of cars right fair enough fair enough well Hope you have an awesome season. Looking forward to seeing you at New England, and I uh, should be at LSPR as well. Uh, at this point, just going to kind of close things out. Uh, I want to tell folks uh, that I have those flying finish audio excerpts I'm still editing, so I don't have those ready to go up yet. I've uh, been busy with the day job. I, know, I wish I could just talk rally all the time and uh, do nothing but focusing on that, but uh, yeah, got to pay the bills too, right? Yeah, Mike was, <laughs> Mike was late to start recording, by the way. Yeah, 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 okay. <laughs> I, I get to work at 8, I stay till 6, that's my typical schedule, apologies, apologies. It's, but, you know. it's past 11 out here, Mike, I, I gotta go to work tomorrow. Oh yeah, it's so rough for you. <laughs> we're, we're all feeling real bad for you right now, okay. 
So horrible. Yeah, yeah. Shall, shall I get the smallest violin in the world out? Exactly. <laughs> that's, that's more like it. Uh, I also want to say a, say a massive thank you to our uh, supporters and uh, th- th- those folks that have sent me some personal messages lately about uh, the Rallycast podcast. And uh, I do very much appreciate those. I, I, I read those and uh, I'll try and respond to the, all of those. Um, yeah, it's good to know that you're listening. Make sure that you tell a friend, have them listen to, you know, if you like the show. Uh, the, the important thing is uh, leave a comment or uh, a rating when it comes like iTunes or all those different places you can listen to us because that does improve our ranking. And so other people can find other folks can find out about Rally in the U.S. as well. So uh, we'd love to have that uh, increase and improve. Of course, you can tell your smart speaker now to play Open Paddock's Rallycast, according to Ian. So, uh, <laughs> again, I will say smart speaker, not the official name of any of those smart speakers. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> smart speaker. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. Um, but anyways, again, thank you for listening. I'm your host, Mike Shaw. Remember, reach out, and uh, we'd love to tell your stories if uh, you're a competitor or whatever, and uh, uh, we love sharing them here. So that's it for this show. Remember, keep it shiny side up, and don't cut. <laughs>